Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. This week on the show, Angeline Ball on her new movie Deadly Cuts, where she leads a group of vigilante hairdressers. And she talks to me about making peace with the Melder Quirk. Tom Sullivan, writer and director of Famine Set Aract, on being considered for the Oscars and a Hollywood remake. Plus actor and comedian and former goalkeeper Terry Alderton on his favourite movie. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email us, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. Good weekend to you all. Hope you're doing well. And it seems a whole host of you returned to the cinema last week, most notably Well, primarily, entirely, it seems, from anyone who spoke to me for Bond and everyone seemed to enjoy it. And literally people who hadn't been to the cinema in 18 months, if not longer, uh, people got in touch with the show, but just people I met out and about went to the cinema for the first time in a very long time and seemed to really enjoy it and seemed to really enjoy Bond. And I know lots of families went to see Bond, which was nice. And it's, you know, there's violence in it and all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of, if your kids are in their teens, they'll be fine with No Time to Die. And it is a great movie. And it's nice to see so many of you back in the cinema. There have been other great things in the cinema in recent weeks as well. So why not keep going back now that you're back because of Bond? Stay there. Stay in the darkened room. Now, in TV, I have to quickly mention Squid Game. Now, I know maybe I'm a bit late to the party. Uh, This is the Korean made series that's breaking all sorts of records for Netflix. It's nine episodes long. I'm about halfway through it. And it has a lot of, I suppose, uncompromising violence and addresses social inequality, certainly in South Korea, where it's from. It sees hundreds of cash-strapped people competing in a series of children's games in an attempt to win, I think it's 45 billion won which is like 33 million euro. Uh, but if they don't win in the game, they're killed. So it, it, it's pretty violent. And to take part, they call this number on the back of a business card. It's really entertaining. I mean, it is violent. I've never really subscribed to that doing you much harm, to be honest. I've watched, you know, not exclusively, but I've seen plenty of violent movies all through my life. And I, I don't think it's made me any more violent than I would be. And I'm not violent at all. And and movie watching and TV watching hasn't changed that one bit. So, you know, maybe it's not the most wholesome viewing. You know, there's a touch of Tiger King about it. You maybe want to take a shower afterwards, but maybe that's just me. But it's, it's really entertaining and it has that let's keep watching. Oh, just one more, one more. We'll watch the first half of the next episode. Like it's addictive. And I'm about four episodes in. And it's compulsive viewing. Yes, it's violent, but uh, it's hard to turn off. So that's Squid Game on Netflix. Do let me know what you're making of it. John underscore Fardy, or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com. 
Now you're listening to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. Now releasing this Friday, the 8th of October, in Irish cinemas is Deadly Cuts, a great new Irish comedy that follows the stylists of a Dublin hair salon who become accidental vigilantes as they take on a local gang gang threatening their community. There's also other threats from a local politician who wants to gentrify the area and also a bizarre hair competition called Ah Hair. It features some great young Irish actors playing young hairdressers including Erica Rowe, Lauren Larkin and Shauna Higgins, all of whom are fantastic. But the head honcho of the hairdressers is Michelle and she is played by, I guess you could call her a legend of the Irish acting scene at this stage. And I'm delighted to say she's in studio. Angeline Ball, how are you? I'm really good. I, You know, that word legend always makes me feel old. I'm sorry to make you feel but old. But you know, like how, what's, can you kind of find a new way that I could kind of get my head around this? Well, will I tell you why it's a compliment? Because yeah. we've seen you since 1991 and that famous movie we won't get into right now and you've stayed acting ever since I talk to actors every week and it's a tough business and to be working year after year and people still knowing who you are all this time that makes you a legend well yeah I guess it does you know because it's a really tough industry Um, but not just that I think yeah I've had two children along the way and they have taken you know obviously the the, the front seat um, so I hear that I, I'm i very grateful for the work. So, yeah, I'll take legend then. Good. <laughs> I won't think old. No, think, nor you shouldn't. I'll nor think, you shouldn't. what is it, longevity? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sticking yeah. power, tenacity. Listen, yeah. let's talk about deadly cuts. Everyone I was at the screening with said, God, that was great fun. And maybe, you know, at the moment, it's nice to watch fun movies. Was it a lot of fun to make? Yeah, I think, you know, there's an interesting thing that happens uh, when you act and you're an actor and you really feel it is that when everybody's, you know, singing off the same hymn page Mm. and I think, you know, it's not just us actors, it's people like from the people that turn on the lights in the morning, the people that switch off the lights in the evening. So everybody was... um, Given it welly, given it yeah. socks. It, it only, you know, it was a six week shoot. It was in December. It was very, very, it was cold at times. We shot almost in situ in Lachlanstown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, 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 it was tough, but I think we found the good as us amazing, ferocious Irish people do, you know, yeah. and it shows on screen is that, you know, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Absolutely. So I think, yeah. We had such a good time. And again, you mentioned those young kiddos, I call mm-hmm. them, but like they're brilliant. These young girls that like deserve everything that's coming their way because yeah. they were just fantastic. And they certainly buoyed me up throughout the film. I can imagine. I mentioned Ah Hair, the competition that you and Victoria Smurfett yeah. reunite on. That's one of the best bits of the movie. And it's kind of <laughs> surreal. There's this TV show going on and it's a, a mock-up thing. And Pauline McGlynn is brilliant in it. And the head... The guru of hair was brilliant. It was that. Was that that looked like quite an involved setup. Absolutely, you know, you see all the extras and mm. stuff, and you know, hats off as well. Like people don't pay enough attention to them. Mm. They're absolutely brilliant, and you know, I mean, every day coming in with the glam, putting the glam on. Mm. Um, it was brilliant, and you know, it was filmed. I think it was filmed again in situ in this kind of nightclub, right, out near nice Swords. Nice to be back in a nightclub. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it was just fantastic, you know. And like everybody, kind of brought their A game because you know, hats off to all those actors that can kind of came in near the end for the A ah hair competition. Yeah. Is um, you know, 
it's it's all very fine for us girls that we're like working together like day in day out but when you've got these actors that are just put on the like glamorous outfit yeah. and go for it was amazing Pauline McGlynn was amazing Victoria Smurfett um, Rory Nolan yeah uh, just incredible and you know I've read in the last few days once or twice they're talking about a possible TV option pilot who knows I, would you like to be involved in that if that was to happen I mean obviously they're talking about the young offenders the way that happened yeah, and I you, thought maybe at the end there was possibly something oh God, left yeah, open that you could return to yeah, it yeah especially when you see DeLogan Doyle coming and the yeah. little one says the hack of your head <laughs> um, I think I don't know I think it would like I mean because again like with hairdressers they're like so um you know, they're the hub of activity mm. in a community. They're the psychologists. They're the place that you go to if you need anything there. Mm. They're, you know, they're just such a kind of important factor. And you could like center that and have so many yeah. stories. And of course, a bit like every great soap or every great series, we have our pub as well. Yes, um, <laughs> that's true. You know, that we could meet in, whatever. But uh, yeah, I'd be very interested to, you know, um, see where yeah. it would we going but you know also like I was kind of thinking to myself do you know what I'd love to direct it one of it is going to be or I'd love a little kind of um, you know uh, maybe try and kind of co collaborate and write write with it because okay. I know the character so well yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah I mean I'd certainly would love to go forward with it mm. but like um, in in another wear various hats really yeah okay so. well watch this space and <laughs> then finally on Deadly Cuts do you see it as I don't know, for want of a better phrase, like a feminist allegory, you have these bad men coming in and, you know, the sisters take them on and yeah. give it socks. It's directed by a woman. It's a very, and I'm not, it's, I'm a man, I enjoyed it immensely, but it's a very woman-orientated story. Did you think of it that way at all? Not necessarily. It, it's also produced by women yeah. as well. Like, so it, it is a very female kind of led. Uh, and again, as I spoke to you about, like the whole production is, you know, the the, you know, the original hairdressers, the people who designed yeah. their hair in it and all were yeah. women, yeah. Uh, women makeup. But we had a whole body of really, really great um, men underneath us okay. kind of buoying us up. So I didn't feel that it was necessarily female led, but... Having said that, I think um, I think there's kind of a new phrase behind every great woman is a is a man now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I think um, yeah. The, I mean, J J. Rolfe was the DOP. Okay. Uh, you know, there's was so many great men behind Plenty us of men who were absolutely well. very happy to kind of take a step back yeah. and relax yeah. and let us get on with it. So, no, I didn't feel, I think if it was predominantly female, then mm. I would have really felt something and then okay. it would have been out of balance, out yeah. of whack. So, yeah, I feel um, it, it was, we had our fair share of men behind the scenes. That <laughs> sounds really wrong. But <laughs> Absolutely, I'm fine with that. So, listen, we mentioned uh, the legendary status and I said it was nothing to do with age, but yeah. it was staying working. And I was going through all you've been in last night from The General, which I loved you in, Thank Shameless, yeah. EastEnders. The, the ability to, to keep working and also, you know, manage kids at home and all that stuff. Do you think you've survived in this business and kept working just because 
obviously talent is something to do with it, but not every talented actor makes it as, as long as you do. Yeah. Did you have a certain, like I said, tenacity at the start? Did you always want to stay in this business? I know you've done music as well, but yeah. I mean, you have to be very committed to it. I think, to be honest with you, it's kind of, um, for me, it's more of an expression of who I am. I think that I have to do it. It's not necessarily that I want to be famous or I want to be in this, or that mm-hmm. and the other, because I, I rarely watch television. You know, I tend to kind of uh, gravitate towards uh, true crime <laughs> on Netflix or on YouTube. Um, no, I I think for me, it's a form of expression. So it's a little bit of a kind of a day off from the kids or okay. a week or, you know, time yeah. off away. But um I think it was definitely something that I I felt that I need to do and I need my little breaks of that. Having Mm -hmm. said that, you know, it's not easy when I do work to be away from my kids and all that. But I think definitely in order for me to be a good mother, I need to be able to go and do my do this thing. And I think um, you mentioned music and all that. I do have other stuff that I do um, just to satisfy myself because otherwise I'd just be very bored. And you had an album last year. I was listening to the lead track on it this morning, Sinking, which I enjoyed very much. So was that your first solo album of your own songs? Funnily enough, I haven't actually released an album yet. I was ready to kind of go and go into record um, after I finished Deadly Cuts Mm -hmm. um, and finish off the rest of my songs just tweak here and there. And COVID hit. Um, and f- and I did go out at one point when we could kind of semi-meet up around August to meet one of my co-songwriters. And I didn't realise at the time that I had COVID. And oh, I gave okay. him COVID. And <laughs> it was just like, don't do that again. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have that kind of on the back burner. Like, me, I, I would consider myself to be a singer before I'm an actress. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love music. Um I feel that it's like, I think I'd said before that it's like a vocal gin and tonic for me. It wow. really is. And um, yeah, I, I want to kind of continue and I'm just kind of trying to find the time now between uh, kids, London. I know so many great musicians um, mm-hmm. over here and quite new uh, friends that I've made, new contacts that I'd love to come over and do more. But it's just finding that time now. And I do, if if I'm going to do one thing in life, I just want to kind of have an album have an actual physical LP and uh, hand one each to my kids and then I'll be a happy, happy lady. Okay. Finally then, and I was trying to, the right way to phrase this, you're probably exhausted, annoyed at constant questions about the commitments. I know what's coming. Right? (laughs) But let me tell you this before, en route to that. I do a slot on this show most weeks where I talk to someone well-known about their favourite movie and I was talking to Ian Dempsey about three months ago And he was talking about The Commitments as his favourite movie. And the thing is, and I'm going to make you feel slightly old again, but I remember going to see that as a teenager. And I had this visceral sense of, oh my God, this is a movie about us. I grew up on the north side of Dublin in Blanchardstown. And me and my pals went there. Not far from me. Well, there you go, Canberra, yeah. And it just felt like... This finally we see ourselves on screen. It's not Darby O'Gill and the little people. I know. And I think that's why people of my generation adore it. And that's why you're exhausted talking about it. Because it was a watershed. Looking back, it really was. Yeah. So that's my apology for asking. No, 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 not at all. (laughs) Do you know what? Had you've said that to me about two years after it, I wouldn't have spoken to you about it. But now I'm you know, youth is wasted on the youth. I know. And uh, I I really feel I'm super proud of it. Actually, um, Robert Arkins was kind of him and Han uh, the other night whether to come to the premiere or not. He okay. was doing some music or doing something. Yeah. 
Um, and he was like, I don't know whether I can go or not, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, if you want to. And he sent me this uh, little text and um, it was something in the Irish Times or something to like the best film of the 20 Irish film of the 20th century. And the commitments, I think, you know, a po against the quiet man and all that mm. is, is I think so far it's winning in okay. the league tables. But um, I'm super proud of it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it, you know, like hindsight's a great thing as well because when I look back um, I realised that I was actually the only Northside girl in it <laughs> oh yeah I get, yeah Brown is from Derry yeah. Marie is from Bray yeah um, and uh, yeah I'm, I'm yeah so I'm super super proud of it. there's no way that I wouldn't ever now not talk about it the only thing that I kind of would try to live up to is you know it was such an iconic role and mm -hmm. that people almost feel that you, you know I feel I can't age in a way or I can't kind of like go into, you know, um, become an old woman gracefully because okay. they always think that was a Melda Queer. <laughs> what happened here? But, um, you know, so I feel I feel super lucky, really. Yeah. And even watching watching the film last night, there was a sense of that. There was a kind of um, a new a new um, a new turn because I think, you know, you've got. Like for me, looking back on old Dublin, I've got Sha you've got Sean O'Casey. Mm. I've done Sean O'Casey plays, and I love his kind of rhythm of the language. My family are originally from the inner city, mm -hmm. you know, um, the Liberties, and uh, um, you know, and I think there was a beauty in that language mm -hmm. that was is lost now. Yeah, and then you'd have that kind of new beauty with Roddy Doyle's, you know, mm -hmm. all of his kind of trilogies, etc. And I think there's a kind of a new language. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not au fait necessarily with it because it is a bit risque. Some of the <laughs> some of the things kids say would make me blush. Even in this, thank God I didn't have to say anything. But, you know, um, there's a kind of progression and our Ireland is moving on. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because that old kind of adage, me darling, Dublin, dead and gone. But I, I'm proud to be part of that as well. And I could kind of straddle. Um, I've worked with Barbara Brennan before in Bloom when mm -hmm. I played Molly Bloom. Um, I've worked with Helen Jordan years ago, so I had the older, m more mature, older is the wrong word, the more mature legends. I like that word. Yeah. I'm going to start using it yeah. more. And uh, <laughs> then I, you got the newbies like, you know, Lauren Larkin, Erica Roche, Shauna Higgins and Ian Lloyd Anderson. Like, what a great yeah. hug, you know. Yeah. Um, the guys were incredible. And like, let's not forget, yeah, it is a, a women led film, but like these guys were slowly you know, the undercurrent yeah, in absolutely. this film. So. Well, listen, Deadly Cuts is a great movie and you are an acting legend and I hope you'll <laughs> wear that as a badge of pride. It was great to meet you in studio. We haven't said that too often. And with the year. lights off, don't forget. The lights were the lights were a bit bright for Angela, so she asked to turn them off. I was fine with it, whatever she wanted. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're late, Chantel. I had to walk the long way because Dino said that he was going to shave my head. Oh, for God's sake, Chantel. I heard that he'd done it to Laura Martin and I had like a bleeding Maltese. No, Dino robs half his takings every morning. Protection, he calls it. I wish his dad had used protection. Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Your hairstyle show. Council is the one going to shut down shop with an award-winning salon in it. We have to try it. We're Dalton Chadwick with a Instagram following of 1.8 million, including almost two Kardashians. We're beside a butcher's. 
clip there from Deadly Cuts, which is released this weekend on the 8th of October. That's Friday of this week. And you heard me talking to Angeline Ball there about, well, all sorts of things from the commitments to singing to the new movie, Deadly Cuts. And she did actually ask me very politely, could we turn down the lights because they were really bright in the particular studio we were in. So as I said to her, you know, I can tell people Angelina Ball told me to turn off the lights. Oh, how we laughed. Up next, a very different movie called Aract, all about the famine, which has been optioned for a Hollywood remake. Screen Time on News Talk. Now you're listening to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. Now, a movie, another Irish movie, out next week is Aract, and it tells the story of Coleman Sharkey, a fisherman, a father, a husband, living on the wild shores of Connemara in 1845. Yes, a telling date as the great hunger descends. As land taxes rise and crops rot, Coleman confronts his landlord. The night ends in deadly violence and Coleman is forced to go on the run. As the years pass in solitude during the great hunger, Coleman eventually returns to the mainland and encounters a young girl Kitty and a life-saving friendship begins. Now I saw this movie last year at the Dublin Film Festival I think it was and it has since been selected as Ireland's official entry for the 2021 Oscars and it's also been optioned for an American remake. This is a movie you simply have to see in the cinema. It's open next weekend, the 15th of October and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by its writer and director Tom Sullivan. Tom, how are you? Hey, how are you? I'm very well. Listen, I know this, the gestation of it, and I think the making of it, was long before the pandemic. But when I was watching it again this week, there's an eerie scene where people start smelling potato blight in the air, and it's really creepy. Have have other people said to you, have you been struck by the strange pandemic nature, maybe, of an element of this movie? Yeah, I mean... Well, obviously it's there. I mean, the um, you know the um, our reliance, our reliance on our, or or our uh, our kind of hope, our helplessness sometimes in in the environment and when it decides to turn, how we can suddenly find ourselves upended. And I mean, the potato blight is, you know, it's a parallel almost to what's happened with the pandemic mm. and with COVID. I mean, COVID is a natural. We we hope it was a natural <laughs> occurrence. Um, and uh, yeah, it does. It echoes how hopeless we are in the face of an environmental crisis yeah. and climate change, obviously. And you obviously began all this long before people knew what COVID was, right? I mean, it's just the dovetailing of events. Yeah. So we started 2017. Um, I started writing May 2017. Uh, so a quick turnaround. Um we shot the film late 2018. So yeah, it was all pre-COVID. Okay. Now, you know, I was here's a name drop for you I was talking to Benedict Cumberbatch a couple of months ago and they made a movie about Guantanamo and I was saying to him that you know it it takes a certain period of time before we're ready to make movies about things like 9-11 they started making movies you know a lot last year this is one of the few famine movies there haven't been that many made considering it's such a big part of Irish life and here we are like 1845 why do you think we've been reluctant to touch it as a as a source of a movie before? I know there was Black 47 from two years ago as well, but there has been very little made for the big screen about the famine. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest, why it's taken this long. I can tell you why I got it, what, why it, it came to me was, um, I suppose I started out writing about a character first and foremost, and 
you know, I was interested in, um, you know, the film that was based on Cormac McCarthy's film, The Road. Yeah. Like the post-apocalypse about relationships in, in a time of despair. And uh, that's where I started. And because I have a close affinity to the, the, the place, Connemara, I wanted to write something set it set there. And the famine just began to walk into the film, really, um, mm. you know, almost through osmosis. Um, so I didn't set out to do it. Um, so I can't answer, you know, really, for me, it was a uh, something that something that kind of imposed itself on on the story as opposed to the other way around. But I do think um, I do think after now that I've researched it and now we've made a film and with the reaction from people. I really feel that there's a, a real appetite out there for people to, to start the conversation with us. Um, and I've said it a few times that, like, you know, if you're talking about personal trauma, uh, you know, a lot of our traumas, are important traumas that shape us happen when we're kids. And if Ireland was a person, I believe the famine is our, as a young nation, is our child, childhood trauma. So maybe we're all in therapy now and we're starting to deal with it, maybe, or our generation or the next generation are starting to you know, make contact with it. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm wondering, has anyone else suggested this to you? I, like a lot of people, you know, spent 14 years learning Irish and I think I don't know half as much Irish as I should. Well, I know that and I see it with my own kids when they come home and ask me questions. But yeah, and that for view, for listeners and for viewers of your movie, I should say most of the movie takes place in Irish. But I was surprised how much Irish I actually knew. And at one point... And I didn't, but I was actually tempted to turn off the subtitles to see if I could follow it because I was getting a lot of it. Uh, and I, I, I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are. Like, is it, have people said that to you? Have they been surprised by how much of it they've actually understood? Yeah, you're the, the you're actually you're the second person said that to me this week. Um, okay, which I think is fantastic. You know, it really is. That's an unexpected. Um, Turn. The film does it's 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 incredibly authentic in that the Irish that's spoken in the film is of of the area and mm. of it's of the time as well. So um, maybe that's it. Maybe you know somewhere in your in your in your inherited DNA there's something there. And I believe in that anyway. I do believe that that our language is is very important to us, even if you're second or third generation away from you know being a fluent Irish speaker. I think we all have a an affinity to the language, even if we even if we think we don't. Um, mm. Because I think you know, schooled Irish, you know, I've said this before that you know when I grew up in Tallaght, I went to an all, I went to an English school first, then I was I went to an all Irish school when I was about seven or eight, and then I remember meeting the kids coming from the English school. Like I learned Irish in about six months in the Irish school, and I had more Irish because I did the immersion thing, and mm. you know that we just spoke Irish. I never had to learn it, and I, you know, I remember meeting my mates, you know, a year after I'd left the school, and I could speak fluent Irish, and and they're, you know, they probably still can't speak a word, yeah, because I just think the way it's taught in English schools sometimes can be quite, um, uh, it, it, if you're trying to teach, our, it, I, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's taught on a, on a cultural level sometimes. I think it's more taught in a kind of a. Uh, you know, uh, with with a, with a, with a kind of it's you we we're, we kind of need to learn this, and therefore you need to do an exam in this, and you need to like that kind of way of immersing yourself in in a language is mm. is is just unreal, and and I think that's why you know you come out of school speaking a lot better French or Spanish because you feel it's a real language or that it's spoken, you know. Uh, whereas sometimes I think people 
trying to engage in the Irish language think it's not alive, you know, and yeah. why am I trying to? So I think what's wonderful about, you know, uh, going to a film like Aroch is like what you said, I think you get to touch to touch that again. And it's, a, it's an incredible thing. And it's something that has, has stayed with me and really enriched my life is, you know, your language is your soul in a way. Mm-hmm. It, it, it belongs to something a lot deeper than just something, you know, that you would speak. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think secretly out, the, like everybody in Ireland out there wants to make contact with, with the language, even if they think they don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way, that's what yeah, I believe. No, it's a good point. Well, look, hopefully your movie might be shown in school classrooms in months and years to come. Now, I want to... That would ma- be amazing, yeah. I want to make something clear to people because this is this is a famine story and it's, you know, largely in Irish. It's beautifully shot as well, but it's also a very dramatic movie like I and, and not to do it a disservice to other movies but this isn't some art house kind of movie that you should only see you know with a tweed jacket on it's a really dramatic movie it's also incredibly poignant there's stuff with let's just say lost relatives that had me well and up at times so you know I just it's important to get that out there that this is entertainment as well it's a dramatic movie of course it's about heavy things but it is you know for want of a better phrase it's an entertaining movie so I, I just I want people to know that as well yeah I mean I was I like I mean I was brought up my influences aren't you know uh you know new wave cinema or French cinema my influences are Spielberg you know, they're Scorsese, yeah. they're all the American uh, films we watched growing up in the 80s. You know, it's Coppola, it's Kubrick, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's Fincher, it's, you know, it's P.T. Anderson. It's all filmmakers that make entertainment movies. So I'm not in the business of boring anybody. So <laughs> you would not be bored at this movie. This is an entertaining film, as you said. And one thing that I think um, that, that, re- that a lot of people come away from it, there's a I mean, the film, the film runs for about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and it's kind of before the, 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 before the blight hits. And when it does, the characters go up to the landlord's house to mm. plead leniency for rent decrease or for a rent increase that he's imposed. And during that scene, they all switch to English. Mm-hmm. And lots of people have said to me, it's only when that happens that you realize, hang on, I've been watching a film in Irish up to now yeah. and I didn't actually realize it. Yeah. Um, and I think it has that authenticity. It's, I'd like people to look at it more like a film that happens to be an Irish as opposed to an Irish language film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because the Irish, the Irish language is, is part, is, it's a character in it. It's part of the authenticity of the time. And if you were, you could never make this film in any other language. Yeah. So I think you go to it with that and not with a, oh God, I've been dragged along to an Irish yeah. language. It's a lot more than that. And as you said, it's it's a bit of a it's it's a roller coaster ride. You know? Yeah, no, um, it absolutely and is. You'll be entertained. You will you'll get something out of it. You will. I second all of that, and I'm on no retainer saying it. Listen, I mentioned in the start possible Hollywood reboot uh, option. Anyway, now I I know, <laughs> you know, I've I've been down this road with people before. Hollywood are interested is often the death knell of every good project. But where's that at? Or can you tell us about that? What's happened? Exactly? Um, yeah, well. Um, I suppose that was yeah. So that's kind of kind of come out of nowhere. That was the Oscar, the Oscar. We did the Oscar race, and uh, so these people got to see it. Uh, these this producer, a guy called Greg Shapiro, got to see the movie, and they're massive fans of the film, mm. and um, they they were really excited about it. It was a real incredible for me because you know these are 
these are A-listers, you know. They've won Oscars. Uh, you know, he produced The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, a brilliant movie called The Immigrant. Like, he's made some incredible films. And um, so he loves Arrow and he wants to do something with it. Now, I don't know what exactly they're doing. They're going to develop it with their own screenwriters. And I think they're going to make uh, a film, an, an American film or something set in the past, but somewhere not a famine film. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to do that. So that's where that's at. So what they do is they, they'll go away and develop it for about a year and then they'll come back to us and they might go, look, this, it didn't work out or it did. So that's what an option means. They yeah. have an option to work it for about a year and then they'll decide. So there's more news to come, hopefully. Yeah. That. That's, yeah. that's where it's at. Well, we watch this space. And then finally, Tom, like people would know you from, you know, you have been in so many Irish TV movies, uh, Irish TV shows and movies from Intermission to Pats to Freedom to The Clinic. I mean, you've literally been in everything. And I think sometimes, you know, you're one of those actors, people see your face and go, I know that guy, I know that guy. With the success of this, is is that all behind you or are you going to continue to straddle both camps of writing and well, directing Well, I never shut the door. I'd never shut the door on it, you know. Yeah. Um, the right thing came along. I'd love to jump back in there, absolutely. But for the moment, I'm busy. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm writing two features scripts at the moment. Hopefully, the next two I make. So, you know, I love doing this, so I'll keep doing it. But if somebody came along and said, hey, we've got this great part and working with great people. Look, I love to be on set. Mm. I love to be working in the industry. So, you know, even if I was holding a clapperboard, I would be happy. So, okay. yeah, that's I love it. So it's I love the whole thing. I love everything about it. So, yeah, no, I wouldn't shut any doors. OK, good man. The doors are wide open. Well, listen, I hope the doors <laughs> will be wide open for people to go and see Arakt on the 15th of October. It is an incredible film. It really is. And one you need to see in cinemas. Trust me. Uh, Tom Sullivan directed it and wrote it. Thanks a million, Tom. Thank you very much. Up next, intriguing comedian Terry Alderton on his favourite movie. Now you're listening to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. It's that stage of the week where we talk to someone well-known about their favourite movie. Terry Alderton is the Livewire comedian I keep reading about who has a reputation on the circuit as one of those must-see comedians. He's also done a lot of acting. And he was once a goalkeeper for South End. <laughs> yeah. More of that anon. And importantly, he's here slightly also to talk about the Galway Comedy Festival taking place from the 19th to the 25th of October, which includes primarily live comedy gigs. Hooray. More of that anon. Terry, how the hell are you? I'm very good. And like you say, it's good to be back. Yes, and it's nice to see a human yeah, being I know, in the I know. You're the second person this week I've interviewed in uh, person. It's incredible. It is really good. Listen, in a way... They told me what your favourite movie was and I thought, that makes kind of sense to me. <laughs> so will you tell our listeners what your favourite yeah, film with, is? Yeah, with Nail and I. Uh, oh. It's it's hard to, to pick, just quickly, to pick a movie. I know. That you, because it's like, it's like trying to get, a, you know, a left back and saying, you know, who's the best forward and who's the best yeah. footballer. You can't compare a left back to a, to a forward. It's because a horrible question. Comedy <laughs> movies and, but yeah. if I had to pick one then it'll be with Nell and I. Why? The reason why is how I came to it. You know, mm. I hadn't heard of it. I didn't know about it. Yeah. And we were doing a gig in, in Greenwich in South London. And they, this Matthew and this uh, girl, Julia, said, we're going to go back and watch with Nell. 
after the gig, do you want to come watch it? And I went, I don't know what it is. And they were just like rubbing their hands going. It was a bit like, you know, when you tell someone you've never heard Dark Side of the Moon, like yeah. someone young, and they go, yeah. no, never heard it. And you're going, oh, my I goodness. I can't wait to let you hear it. Oh, God. Right. So it was one of them moments for them. It was mm. like, you, you are joking. I went, no. And so it's getting to that how I got to it I think that's why and it came from nowhere I had no expectation of it I knew nothing of it and so it just hit me in the face you know and I was mm. quoting everything after of course <laughs> we know them all and we can't say any of them on air but um the other thing about it is is the is the magic of that film and what I mean by that it's it's very it's got a lot of pathos mm. it's got a lot of feeling and it's got a lot of humor in it which I think we can all take something from. But <clears throat> interestingly, and you say that, why I like that film, I always think that in life, you've got people who get with Nell and I, and you get people who don't have a clue about yeah. it, and they just look and go, oh, I thought it was rubbish. And I think that's a bit like my act. And I think I like to feel that it's a bit of a lot. If you're a with Naylor, then we're going to get on. If you're not a with Naylor, then we're probably going to see things a little bit differently. That's know? fascinating. So you've, I've done that with certain movies, but you've divided the world into with Naylors and non with yeah, Naylors. Yeah, and yeah. I've even done stuff on stage about it. I'll go, there are with Naylors and there are non with Naylors and there are people who haven't even seen the film, you know, or don't even know about it. Um, so the fact that you've even got to the film and found it and didn't mm. like it is quite something, you know. Mm. Um, but I, I just think it's... Uh, it's it's an it's an absolute must see. It absolutely is. This is about you, but I, you'll appreciate this. I got to speak to Richard E. Grant. I had to fly to London one morning. I was promoting Star Wars, and I think I had six minutes with him, and I had to ask him about with Nail and yeah. I. And the PR people were going crazy, basically this about Star Wars. But he was happy to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. He is. I know there's other actors in it as well, but he's just delightful in it. It's, it's, it's a masterclass. It's a masterclass, and uh, you know, let's not forget Paul McGann. No, of course, but Paul McGann. Uh, it just works perfectly because they play their parts um, as they are. I mean, mm. that doesn't make any real sense, I know. But if you see the film, you'll understand. And Richard E. Grant can't be anything but cartoon-like and huge in his performance and be brilliant and have to take that on and do just be fantastic at that, exactly what you say. And that's why I think he stands out so much. Yeah. But of course, Richard Griffiths as well, yeah. as Uncle Monty, Uncle Monty. Who, who I worked out, right? When yeah. he was in um, Harry Potter, he was only 65 in there. So as Uncle Monty, I worked out, he's only about 29 or something, you know? Wow. He's one of those he old looks. He looks people. like he's like this big old 40-year-old yeah. man. Yeah, not yeah, that that's yeah. old, but when you see the film. But he's something, he's only about 28. He's not much He's not much different in age to them if maybe younger. Wow. There's a line of his I'd love to repeat. But yes, we can't the, because Monty's a terrible. But my favourite line of his, actually, is when he kicks the cat and he goes, yeah. I'm faithful B-word. <laughs> and you're going, what does that mean? What's well, going man, on there? We could go down a with nail hole here, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. That's a great choice and no argument for me. It's been chosen a few times in this slot that I've been yep. doing it, so you're in good company. Good. It's fascinating you say that you think it's a bit like your act, that you know some people just don't get it. I'm wondering why do you, because I was watching YouTube clips of you all mm. morning and I got it big time. What, what do you think, not to be negative about it, but what do you think there are things that people don't always get about your act? I think that's it. I think that some people are looking to get something and okay. I think sometimes, you you know, I've had people say, I don't get what you do and I'm going, <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing to get. You're, you're trying yeah. to grasp something. It's You just come on the ride. It's just yeah. the ride. Um, and... If you see uh, me do a live show, you know, you have to stick with the the opening bits of it because it all unravels later on. You know, I'll call everything back. Mm. So when you're sitting there going, I have not got a clue what this guy's on about, but it's at the end of it all. Yeah. 
you start going, oh, right, callbacks yeah. and all that, and then the voices and everything's a setup. So you've got to bear with it. You know, you it's a bit like, I'll tell you what it's like. This is a terrible uh, simile to draw, but it's a bit like um, Stairway to Heaven, right? You can't just cut to, if there's a bustle in your head, you can't get to that. You've got to go through, bow, now, 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 now. You've got to go through that to make it worthwhile. And anyone who knows that song knows what I mean. You can't cheat, you can't cheat and cut to it. So, you know, you've got to stick with you got to at least stick with it. And then, so I think some people might just switch off and go, I don't get this. I don't like it. Never apologize. No, never. Using Led Zeppelin. In a no, way. yeah. I, I, um, I, I, you're I, you're well, my kind of guest. We yeah. could do this all morning. Yeah, well, so, yeah. But I did have a guy once uh, who, who who now it tells me he's a big fan of mine. But he said, uh, he said, I remember the first, he, he stopped me after a tour show. And he said, I just want to tell you, he's a big fellow. And he said, I just want to say to you, he said, um, I first saw you at the comedy store. And he said, all my friends, we're all there and all my friends are laughing. And he said, and I was just sitting there and he said, you were actually really winding me up. I was sitting there getting really angry, watching people really laughing and just going, what are you laughing at? It's awful. <laughs> and he said, "And he said, blow me down. He said, don't go to many comedy clubs. And about two months later, he said, I turned up to a comedy club and he said, I could not believe that you walked on stage and I'm sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. And he was like going, I, I walked off. I just went off to the toilet or the yeah. bar or whatever. And then he said, he said to me, then I came again, and he said, lo and behold, I could not believe you on, you were on again. And he said, then something happened. Right. He said something just clicked, and he said, and I got it. And he said, now I'm. I said, I've been, I've seen three of your tour shows now. Wow. So he went from thinking that what is this rubbish to then going, hold on a second. I'm tempted to use a bad analogy now myself. Go for like it. a fine wine or something like Go that. Go for you it, know? yeah. Fine wine. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, as I've said, I sound like a right big head, but I, I am good at what I do, but you might not like what I do. Fair that enough. Sense. That sounds good to so, me. You know. Listen, just in terms of acting, you were mm. in London's Burning, yep. EastEnders, all sorts of things, and you have an actor's presence about you. I can, I can feel that in the room <laughs> with you. Have you stopped that now, or is, the, is that still an option? I wouldn't say I've stopped it. I would say... Um, uh, I'm not going to do, as they say, I'm not doing a bit part in the bill. You know, that's yeah. kind of a, an acting yeah. thing. Although I did do a bit part in, a, in a, it was a cameo, really. Thank you. Uh, in Unforgotten. And I didn't want to play the part of Terry. Okay. I've played Terry again. And um, I uh, I was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to just do this. My agent said, this is really good. You've been asked to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then I watched it and I went, oh, flipping out. There's some great cameos in it. I mean, like some real big okay. belters in there. And, and I went, oh, this is fantastic. So I went, actually, I will do this. But yeah, I'm all up for acting and doing stuff. But I'm, I am, I'm not choosy or picky, but I, exactly. I don't want to play uh, just a, a, a coffin and a spit in a bill. Yeah. I don't want to do yeah. that. I mean, no, that, fair enough. That's, that's a kind of a metaphor thing. Yeah. Do. Well, comedy career is going well, so you, you don't have to do I, those. I'm parts. all right. I, I'm quite. I'm a very blessed and lucky human being. I am so lucky. My life has been incredible, and long may it continue. <laughs> but you know, it, I'm letting it guide me now. Before lockdown, I was very still, like, oh, why this and why that and why and how how can I? How will I? And you know, and all this because you have to still have the sort of drive. And then I've just got to that point now, going. Do you know what? I'll just I'll just enjoy the ride now. Yeah, yeah. I'm just well, going to enjoy the ride. The ride is complicated, he said, but it's worth the ride. You it's know? worth the ride. Listen, Galway Comedy Festival from Tuesday the 19th of October to Monday the 25th. Live comedy is yeah. back. Are you happy to be going to Galway? I, I famously have said it many a time. I love coming into Ireland anyway, and I love love Galway. I yeah. just, I just think there's a there's a there's a 
I said to Kevin, the, the, the guy who runs it, you know, it's, it's so magical. And he goes, oh, magical, really, don't use magical. <laughs> and I said, right, well, it's got that, but it's got that bohemian, it's just, it is magical. I'm going to yeah. use magical. It's a very spirit. I think the west of Ireland is, there's a very spiritual thing over yeah, there. And I, I know I sound like a bit of a hippie there. Deepak Chopra. Yeah, but when you get over there, there is something. You, you can all feel things as humans. And I've been all, luckily been all around the world, yeah. you know, everywhere playing comedy. And, uh, but there's just something very... Magical. I, lo- I just love getting in there and then smelling that, smelling the sea and thinking of the lovely oysters and yeah, you know, it's just a beautiful place. You're making me hungry. I should <laughs> mention Jason Byrne, Deirdre Kane, Ed Byrne, Reginald D. Hunter, Andrew Maxwell, Kevin McAleer, Bobby Davro, yeah, all sorts of Bobby's people, coming including over. yourself, are playing there. If people want to know more, they can of course go to GoAwayComedyFestival.ie. Finally, yes. I had a sister. I still have her. She's very much alive. <laughs> Aoife, who listens to this show regularly, she lived in South End for about ah. five years. That is where you were goalkeeper for. South I was. End. Yeah. I was so a- that was professional. Yeah, but I never, I never made the grade. Although okay. in two thousand and four, I played in this big charity match on Sky, and then they re- they re- re-signed me. It was a bit of a spin, really, you okay. know. And uh, yeah, and I, I am a big South End fan. Unfortunately, it's not great at the moment. We've uh, dropped out of the league, but we used okay. to be, of course, Ronnie Whelan's Barmy Army at one point. Yeah, Ronnie Whelan's Barmy Army. Yeah, um, he's a lovely boy as well. Ronnie's a great lad. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did play in goal. Yeah. You know, and once again, I was the guy, you know, who'd make the most incredible save. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, how has he done that? And then I let one through my legs. You know, (laughs) I'm, I really was that guy. So, so were you professional or semi-professional? No, I, I, I was, I had what the time, this is how old I am, YTS schemes. We used to have a thing called YTS scheme, which was a government sort of thing where you get like 25 quid a week. And, um, we, uh, we were, which is now an apprenticeship, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that. And then, of course, I just wasn't good enough. You know, you've still got to be a brilliant standard, yeah. even to play down, down, even to play right down into non-league football. Yeah. You've still got to be very good. But I don't think people quite realise how good someone playing on, you know, in a team you're thinking, because anyone can even watch you. You know, those guys are really good footballers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, he played for Southend. He's been all over the world with his comedy stylings, which I think are hilarious. He says Thank not you. everyone gets it. There is a lot to get. He's playing at the Galway Comedy Festival from the 19th to the 25th of October. His favourite movie is With Nail and I. He's rightly divided the world into <laughs> with nailers and non-with nailers. Yeah. Terry Alderton, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason. How infinite in faculties. How like an angel in apprehension. How like a god. The beauty of the world. Pagan of animals. Yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. No, no women neither. No women neither. Ah, yes, the wonderful Richard E. Grant there and the famous end speech, closing speech from With Nail and I, as chosen by Terry Alderton as his favourite movie. And my thanks to the very funny Terry. That is it for this week. Next week, folks, Ridley Scott, I kid you not, and Jodie Cormer on their new movie, The Last Jewel. So I'm excited about that. Thank you for listening this week. I'll just remind you this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on News Talk. Thanks to Anne-Marie Kane who helped out on the show. Get in touch with me at any stage. John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com. That's it for this week. Have a good weekend and take care.